Hello and welcome to Bible 101. Please enjoy our Bible 101 series as we explore Genesis through Revelation. Also, listen to our roundtable discussions as myself, Greg Ross, and Eric Feeman talk about the major theological discussions of the Bible. Also, enjoy some of our interviews and apostolic apologetic series. We thank you so much for listening. Please let us know what you think by emailing BibleTTabernacle29 at gmail.com. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-C-L-E-29 at gmail.com. And also leave a comment to let us know what you think. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Bible 101. I'm here with Brother Greg Ross, Brother Eric Feeman. And um, I'm going to pitch this off to Brother Eric Feeman. Today we're going to be talking about the doctrine of repentance and uh, Brother Eric is going to be kind of uh, carrying the ball here, and me and Brother Ross are just going to pitch in every now and then, uh, maybe talk a little bit at the end of this as well. But um, I, let me just kind of give an introduction about Brother Feeman. I don't think I've ever really introduced either of y'all on here and kind of told a little bit about you, but uh, Brother Ross, you've told your testimony before, but uh, Brother Eric Feeman is somebody that uh, has taught only God knows how many Bible studies. There's probably hundreds, I would venture to say, and... Um, I don't know how many we've taught between all the three of us. It's been a lot of Bible study. So uh, none of us profess to be an expert, but we have done a lot of teaching and a lot of studying. And Brother Eric's a man that prays, and um, and Brother Ross is also a man that prays and has taught a lot of Bible studies. And he and uh, they they both taught in a lot of different atmospheres, one-on-one Bible studies. You know, at uh, uh, at prisons, nursing homes. You, you mentioned it. I mean, they've they've done it. So. Um, Again, a lot of experience speaking here. So I'd like to turn this over to Brother Eric Feeman. He's going to talk to us about repentance. Well, thank you, Brother Mills. Um, it's always a pleasure to be able to teach the Word of God. Um, I wish we could do it more uh, fluently like I would rather do it, but I just do the best that I possibly can. I do study and take it serious. Um, I take it serious because I know that people out there listening, um, you know, could follow along and read the Word of God with us and learn something, and it might help somebody be saved. I think the coolest thing about thinking about it really is the time that we put into it. If we could ever get a report that just one person, uh, you know, was saved and got the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name, followed the plan of salvation due to this, it would be worth every every little bit of study time we put in, every, every effort we put into it. So uh, thanks, Brother Mills, for inviting us to do it. Um, but as he said already, uh, today's topic is going to be on repentance, um, and uh, I, this is a broad subject. You can go; it goes starts in the Old Testament and works all the way through um, the New Testament. And I'm actually going to take a, a lot of that, like the typologies and all that kind of stuff in the Old Testament, out of it, and just kind of go in more to uh, the uh, obedience to the commandments and that kind of thing. That all the way through the Bible, we're commanded to repent and to turn away from sin. But I uh, start off by just uh, a couple questions about, you know, what the rep- that we're going to ask about repentance. And number one is, what is it? Um, the definition um, for repentance is the act of leaving what God has prohibited and returning to what he has commanded. Um, the act of being repentant from one's misdeeds and atoning for those misdeeds. Uh, a lot of people think, you know, you may just say, well, uh, this is why also kind of when you get into it, it's, why they're, uh, we're kind of against the, the um, other, you know, secular religions saying, um, you know, just 
just repent and tell God everything, you know, you're sorry and everything will be okay. Repeat, repeat this prayer after me, Brother Mills, and that, you know, that's how they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, you know, I'm praying the prayer and Brother Mills is just repeating the prayer, is it from his heart? Is it sincere? Right. And, you know, there's the, there's the, the thing that comes into repentance is, is there sincerity behind it? And so uh, that's why I like the definition there is it's uh, the act of leaving what is prohibited and returning to what has been commanded. It's not just necessarily turning your back on sin, but now that you turn your back on sin, you're going to go in a different direction. You're going to go in the direction toward God, toward what the Word of God has to say. Uh, the definition also being an about face. We've we've heard that before. Uh, when you do a 180 on sin, you will go. If you're going one direction, you turn and you go the opposite direction. Um, there's a few uh, little things I broke down here. Uh, things you've got to do in order to repent. Uh, what repentance is? You first recognize our. You recognize our sins. Um, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We feel sorrow for our sins. Uh, the Bible says that a godly sorrow worketh repentance. Uh, we forsake those sins, and then we have honest, you know, we're honest with God about our sins. We confess our sins. We make atonement for the sins. Obviously, there's a lot of times um, you've heard about uh, people who have to make restitution or whatever. Um, you know, it's not necessarily that you're buying your salvation or you're paying back something that you didn't do previously, but basically you take the wrongs that have been done and you correct them by doing things for God. You you correct them by doing, uh, you know, the things that used to be negative in your life. Now you're doing positive things to uh, better your walk with God, a relationship with Him. Um, and then, you know, we we know that the Bible also says that if uh, you, you don't forgive one another, that your heavenly Father won't forgive your sins. So therefore, that's part of it when you when you think about the fact that you want to be repented and you want God to be able to forgive you, then you have to be willing to forgive the wrongs that have been done to you. Because honestly, that's also a part of the salvation we talked about last week when you get into it, because a lot of times people will repent of their sins, maybe even get the Holy Ghost to be baptized in Jesus' name, but later on the wrongs and the things that have been done to them come back to haunt them, and bitterness can destroy you. Mm -hmm. And so it's the forgiveness of others' wrongdoings that that helps along with the the, uh, repentance that that you have toward God. And then obviously... uh, after you get on the road of repentance, uh, it's just the simple act of following the command of God because it's not all just in repentance. Uh, repentance doesn't in and of itself save you, but it gets you started on the journey. There's a whole lot other that goes into salvation. Um, number two question is, uh, what leads us to temptation? We, or, I'm sorry, into uh, repentance. Um, the Bible tells us that um, get the, no man cometh to God unless the Spirit of God draw him. Um, so we know that it's conviction, the convictions, the, the convicting power of God that draws somebody to want to repent. Um, and then I put in my notes here as a addendum that I said, no one is saved by turning away from sin alone, but they must turn toward God, and uh, He will make them free from sin. Um, this happens by uh, we we know the Bible talked about. We mentioned last week about the spirit of, or about um, the truth being that which makes you free um, preaching in the man of God Acts 2 and 37 tells us that while Pete, but that when Peter preached that uh, they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what must we do they were uh, drawn to repentance because of the preaching of Peter um, and then we know that Bible obviously says that godly sorrow worketh repentance and then actually if you read into that uh, 
scripture, you'll see that it does a contrast between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. And just thought I would kind of highlight that as a as a uh, talking point, maybe for somebody one of you all later on or something. We could get into that, but um, the godly sorrow being it's a remorse with hope, and uh, the worldly sorrow is remorse with condemnation. That's good and, right there. And uh, that's excellent. And we could get into conversation about that with uh, David. Uh, obviously, had remorse when the man of God rebuked him, but he was able to to pray a, a prayer of repentance, and God heard his prayer and forgave him. And then the condemnation part would be in Judas. Judas, the Bible said he felt condemnation. He gave the money back. He felt sorry for what he did, but yet the condemnation caused him to uh, hang himself and be lost. So there is a contrast there to be made in, in the, the type of sorrow that someone has. He said, "Well, I feel sorry for you know what I did." But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to take you to God. It could also doom you. So you have to be willing to forgive yourself as a process into that. Um, why is it important? Um, and uh, I basically, I've just got here uh, a list of things why, why it's important. Uh, it opens up forgiveness and grace for sins, and the, the sins obviously that separate us from God. Um, it gives us an opportunity to get forgiveness of sins, which can also be uh, not just committed sins, sins, you know, like, you know, the, we, we know that the Bible says, do not, shall, thou shalt not do this and do that, and the sins of adultery, fornication, uh, whatever it may be, are things that can be committed, but there's also sins of omission, of, um, you know, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, um, so it could be the heart, it could be an issue with the heart. And then the Bible says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So these are all things that can go along with repentance because, you know, we may think, well, I haven't committed uh, a heinous act of sin, but what have you omitted? Or, you know, maybe you've done everything you know to do, but what is your heart's condition? Or, you know, maybe that, or but what, what are you dwelling on? What are you thinking on? All of these things can lead to what separates you from God and get, draws you a need for repentance. Um, next thing I was going to talk about was um, how do you repent? Um, we know that uh, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10. Um, we, we talk about the godly sorrow. Um, it's the attitude that one has um, for their sin. It's not just simply like when this is where we talked about at the very beginning about um, not just saying, God, I'm sorry, but the attitude of God, I, I, I realize that as the Bible says, I crucified you again afresh, anew. I, I put you through pain again. I, I put you through the agony of the cross again. And it's realizing that a lot of people, they, they're sorry because they repent because, hey, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be lost. But what about thinking about what have you done to God? What 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 have you done? Have you you know spit on Calvary and walked away and and burn on His mercy and said you know that you know uh, I'm just going to keep on doing this and doing that and it isn't really a big deal. Um, you know I'll tell God I'm sorry later whatever. But it's not even that. It's an attitude. It's an honest confession before God to God. Hey, I know I've sinned, I've done wrong, but I'm I'm sincerely sorry and I want to change that. Um, Obviously, Proverbs 51 talks about David's prayer, and obviously it's a uh, prayer that David's attitude and his um, sincerity comes out when he talks about creating me a clean heart, O God, and renewing me a right spirit. 
cast me not away from thy presence and take not the Holy Spirit from me. The thing there I thought to focus on was neat was the Bible says create in me a clean heart, meaning that um, if it had to be created, it wasn't in existence to begin with. It, God had to put something there that wasn't there. The Bible we mentioned before says that the uh, heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So you can't know your own heart, and that's what David's saying here. God put a clean heart in me where a uh, wicked heart uh, dwelt before. So put something in me that wasn't there before. And that's the thing about, the neat thing about repentance is uh, I was reading uh, an article one time from the, uh, it's like a Christian magazine thing that I, that was sent, was sent to the college there, and I was actually reading through it. And it was from a Bible institute, that uh, a Bible college, that said it was under, I'm, I'm trying to exact, remember the exact number, but I'm pretty sure it was under 35% of the people that, was, that had signed up and was going to this Bible college, Bible institute, that knew when was asked the question what the gospel of Christ was. And, you know, a lot of them had the answer of it was the good news, it was this and it was that. But uh, we find out in 1 Corinthians 15 where Apostle Paul tells us what the, the gospel of Christ is. Mm-hmm. He's, and uh, we, we know that we identify with Christ by following the gospel of Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, so in order to identify that, we, we know that the plan of salvation comes into effect with the death being that of repentance. And this is the old man that dies. Uh, and before there could ever be a resurrection, before there could ever be any burial or washing away of the sins, there must be first a forgiveness of the sins and a, a uh, an about face we talked about. Somebody t- takes what they used to be and they get on a new path and say, I'm going to change that. Now I'm going to go toward God. Um, the uh, the thing I was thinking about here with David's prayer, when he says, "Restore unto me the joy of my salvation," I'm br- bringing this up because there could be someone out there who um, necessarily hasn't, you know, maybe they've already received the Holy Ghost, been baptized in Jesus' name, um, but that doesn't exclude you from repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we not, we understand that repentance is a thing that, you know, for someone who's who has never known the truth, who doesn't. Uh, follow God. This is what gets them on the road to start the journey. But repentance goes way deeper than that. And the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. Uh, this is a man who, you know, obviously walked with God, had a relationship with God, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but yet he still came back to God every day and clean, made sure his heart was right and uh, made sure everything was right with God because he wanted to make sure that before there was a resurrection of a new man, the old man had to die. And so that's the same way. Um, it is like if you've been backslidden and, and or you've been out of church or you whatever it may be. When David said, "Restore unto me the joy of my salvation," because um, a lot of times if you live for God and you've got stagnant, you've walked away, you've got stale, whatever it may be, um, you lose a little bit of joy there. You don't have the same happiness about living for God. But that's what repentance can do. It brings that back to you to where uh, the the slate is clean again and you can start you know all over and and have a new a clean slate there where you can live for God the way you, God wants you to live for him and uh, I spoke with a lady the other day and uh, ran, just happened to run into her somebody that we knew here from the, the local church that's not serving God right now and uh, you know just in conversation made the, the offer there said hey you know uh, she made the, the comment about she said I never had any kind of joy. I don't have any kind of joy in my life. I don't have any kind of peace in my life. 
and my life's a mess and it's a wreck. And I said, well, you know, I said, the only place you're going to have that at is in church and living for God. And uh, this is what she said. She said, not really, Eric. She said, I didn't have it in church. And at first I just started to like, well, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to get into it or whatever. But I thought, no, you know, that needs addressed. And so I looked her right in the eye and I said, you know what? I said, you're right, you didn't. But if you'd have been living the way, for God the way you were supposed to be living for God, you would have. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what repentance gets down to is doing what you're supposed to do after the fact that you repent, is doing what you're supposed to do. Do it with all your heart. Live for God. Um, not just, you know, say, well, God, I'm sorry, but so that, you know, that'll suffice the man of God. So that'll suffice the way I feel in my, you know, the condemnation that I feel. But it's, God, I'm going to, I'm going to repent of what I was doing. And now I'm going to sell out to this. It's the attitude of, I, this is what I want to do. I'm repenting because this is the life I want to live. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm trying to avoid hell. Not because I'm trying to, right. but I am selling out to this. I want to live this, this life. I want to live this truth. And uh, so anyway, I, I that was kind of the thing that I, I felt like talking about the most about, you know, um, this subject of repentance before I open it up to you guys. And then I may add some stuff in after you all have something to say there. But um, the other thing, too, that I thought would be interesting in asking the number five question is, what is the result of repentance? And obviously we know that the result of repentance can be um, a number of different things. Obviously, you're in order to receive forgiveness, you must first repent. So you repent, you receive forgiveness of sins. But it goes deeper than that. You can also, by repenting, uh, you re- you're going to receive uh, the blessings of the Lord. For, um, the Word of God tells you that, um, you know, by repenting, you're going to be able to receive the Holy Ghost. And so that kind of goes along, you know, as the result of it. But one of the things I wanted to read was Luke chapter uh, 15 and verse 7. And turn there real quick here. It says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, and moreover the ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. And so I was thinking about what happens when a sinner repents, heaven gets excited. Mm-hmm. There's joy in heaven. That's the result of your repentance is because God calls the angels around and says, hey, look down there, somebody's repenting. And that's why it opens up a channel to where God can fill you with the Holy Ghost once your soul's, your, your heart's repented, your soul's right with God, God can pour in the Holy Ghost. And then once, of course, you receive the Holy Ghost, then the greatest journey in your life begins. And so, you know, that's how, that's what I'm going to start it off with and then just, See what you all wanted to add in there. A lot of excellent points, Brother Ross. Why don't you give some input? <clears throat> okay, great, great. Appreciate that, Brother Eric. Now you got my mind going. You know, in one sense, we could we say repentance is a simple thing. We tell people they need to repent all the time. And then and now we're going to take uh, this lengthy Bible study to talk about repentance. Mm-hmm. But it it's simple in one sense and then it can go very deep in another sense. And... Uh, <clears throat> But the importance of repentance is it's one of those absolutely imperative, uh, absolutely positively things that are definitely a part of salvation. And uh, we talked about, you know, you know, the most important thing about salvation last week <clears throat> and knowing what that absolute plan is. And it uh, very much involves uh, uh, repentance. 
And as Brother Eric uh, mentioned, just to kind of reiterate, uh, we talk about the Hebrew and Greek words and things like that, but it's, it's not only a change of mind because people that are sinning have, are thinking a certain way and people can sin enough to where they don't realize they're sinning. Uh, and that's that's just the way it is. Good point. And uh, so they number one, uh, they have to be made to know, or we all need to be made to know through the Word of God and through the presence of God that what I'm doing is wrong. It's sinful. It's against God. And worst of all, it separates me from God. It separates me from the from uh, the the hope of heaven. And uh, so so repentance is that kind of. You know, we believe that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So if I'm going to diligently seek Him, that's going to involve repentance. And it's been mentioned before, there's something about getting in the presence of God that sometimes can be a frightful thing. Um, it, it, it can really, it can cause you to, to uh, think about yourself a whole lot different. And so, so repentance is a change of mind. You're thinking, you're thinking one way, but when you find out what the Word of God says when a man of God preaches to you or someone shows you in the Word of God about sinful things and and God does give us a conscience so a lot of times people will know from the conscience that they are doing wrong things sinful things but the conscience can be over overridden I guess you might say and uh, so but when we get uh, in, a, in the presence of God by, by praying by uh, preaching by reading the Word of God having the Word of God taught to us then we get in the presence of God, and it, it, it's like the light—it's it's like the light coming on in a dark room. You begin to see things you didn't know were there, and so you begin to have a—you need to have a change of mind, and not only have a change of mind, but then it changes your actions. And um, <clears throat> if this is could be considered a silly illustration, but I think it'll make the point. If I would walk over to the wall that I see in this room here and bang my head against the wall, it's going to hurt. And then if I go over and I bang my head against the wall again, it's going to hurt. And every time I bang my head against the wall, it's going to hurt. And uh, I need to have a, ch a change of mind. <laughs> I need to quit doing that because it's uh, giving me a headache, and it hurts every time I do that. And uh, the light bulb needs to come on and say, you know what, that's not a good thing to be good doing. I need to change my mind and change my actions and quit banging my head against the wall. If I and And... And Brother Eric mentioned the, uh, the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, about a godly sorrow, um, and, that, that, and that's part of it. But may I say, uh, it is more than just saying, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, Eric, Brother Eric is sitting right beside of me, and uh, if you could see me right now, I'm going to reach over, I'm going to slap him up, up against the side of the head. <laughs> So, I know I didn't really do that. I just <laughs> clapped my hands. I didn't really slap him. But if I did, and I could look at him and say, I'm sorry, Brother Eric, I didn't mean to do that. And then slap him up the side of the head again and say, I'm sorry. And slap him up against the side of the head again and say, I'm sorry. Uh, that's, that's not repentance, okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, repentance, is, repentance is saying, Brother Eric, I'm sorry I did that. I really am. And I'm so sorry that I promise you I'll never do that again. Mm -hmm. I changed my mind and I changed my actions. It's more than just saying I'm sorry. It's saying I quit. It's a godly sorrow worketh re repentance. And um, 
Good. I wrote this down. Bible repentance is responding to God's love and mercy. We realize the mercy of God. He's given me a chance. He's given me a way out. I realize my sin. My, I, I'm, wow, I'm on, I'm on my way to hell. I'm separated from God. I'm not going to heaven. But due to the mercies of God, learning what the plan of salvation is, repentance is responding to God's love and his mercy. How? By being transformed. In, in, in your thinking, that, that word in the Greek about repentance has to do with thinking, changing your mind. And so not only in your thinking, but in your deeds and in your actions. It's about surrendering. It's about a reversal. Not repenting. We have many, many examples through the Word of God. And unfortunately, in the day that we live in, not repenting leads to, to uh, the, what the Bible calls hardening your heart. Uh, uh, the Bible calls it stiff-necked or stubbornness. And that's a terrible place to be in. Uh, many scriptures I've got written down here. Maybe we'll get back to that. I'll, I'll let Brother... Uh, just one more thing I'll say. Um, and those of you, Brother Eric mentioned, those of you that maybe in your walk with God, you have come to the point where you have made the Acts 2.38 plan of salvation. And uh, you sin. Thank, thank God we have, a, we have an advocate. God's merciful. But can I say there's a, there's a danger here, and I've seen it happen, of people who sin after being in church and they repent of that. They sin and they repent of that, just like the example of slapping Eric brother up the mm -hmm. side of the head. And I'll, I'll say it this way. At one point in this terrible cycle, this terrible circle, either your sinning is going to keep you from repenting or your repenting is going to keep you from sinning. That's good. And that's, that what, good. that's what repenting is saying, I quit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not only have I changed my mind, I'm changing my actions. Good. Excellent points, both of y'all. Um, let me just kind of tack on a few little things here, and then we'll get back to just discussing. But I want to open a few things up for discuss discussion here in a minute. But um, I was thinking while Brother Eric, you were talking, that something that's interesting to me is how many Pentecostal Bible studies teach the plan of salvation and totally bypass repentance. Have you ever noticed yeah, that? Right. Yeah. And uh, there's some great Bible studies out there that I've taught, mm -hmm. but I've had to doctor them and mm -hmm. add in yes. repentance because we're living in this um, modern day of the church to where I, I hear a lot of guys do this. Okay, evangelists, I'm talking about evangelists or pastors. They'll say, all people that want the Holy Ghost come forward. So everybody that wants the Holy Ghost comes forward. Now we're going to pray this prayer of repentance together. Lord, forgive me of my sins. God, I'm so sorry. Uh, and they say, all right, now lift your hands and, and receive the Holy Ghost. I have a problem with that. And I'm going to tell you why I have a problem with that. And I know this may be controversial because it's going out to a lot of people, but I don't care, honestly, yeah, right, because yeah. it's not biblical to do that. Because I don't know what you need to repent of. Right, true. And my situation is not going to be like yours. So how are you to say that, you know, your prayer is going to work for me? You know what I'm saying? And then some people need longer time to repent and really pour themselves out before the Lord. I'm reminded of the story of, and I know you guys have heard it, Pastor Davis has told about the old uh, uh, Indian man that came and knelt at the altar. And he said, uh, God, I'm sorry I stole my neighbor's pigs. And he said, God, I'm sorry I smoked peace pipe. You know, God, I'm sorry I did this drug. I did that. And then he says, well, that's all she wrote. <laughs> and lifted his hands and received the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. And uh, But let me just kind of lay this out to you because I found this interesting. So in the book of Hebrews, 
chapter number six, the writer says this, therefore leaving the principles, mm -hmm. the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection. Watch this, not laying again the foundation. Okay, so what he's about to state is foundational for the apostolic faith, right? He's telling them don't forsake this faith. He's been telling them this all throughout the book of Hebrews. He says this, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So before he even mentions faith, he mentions repentance. Mm -hmm. Repentance is absolutely foundational. Yes. He goes on to say of the doctrine of baptisms, which includes not only baptism with water, but the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Baptisms, plural, not baptism. And then he says, uh, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. All of these things we would agree today are foundational doctrines, mm -hmm. right? The very yeah, basics. Absolutely. If you're going to enter the church, these are going to be some of the doctrines you're going to have to know and study and, and apply to your life. And so, but the very first thing he said was repentance. Now, Brother Eric kind of walked us through some steps. Um, if you don't mind, Brother Eric, I'm just going to kind of, mine looks almost exactly like yours. It just with one or two little things kind of just maybe added to accentuate the point a little bit. But um, Brother Eric addressed this very well, so I'm, I'm only adding this on. But I, I just put it this way. Number one, uh, repentance entails acknowledging your sin. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, it involves confessing your sin. 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number three, feeling godly sorrow for your sin. So it's not just enough to say, God, I'm a sinner. Because so many times what you'll hear is they say, well, now we're going to pray this prayer and you're going to accept Christ, okay? God, I'm a sinner. Oh, God, I'm a sinner. It says, uh, I ask you to forgive me. Please forgive me. Now, Lord, I want to live for you. Lord, I want to live for you. Come into my life, Lord. Come into my life. Change me. Like you said, repeat the sinner's prayer. I accept you into my life. I thank you for salvation. Um, but I, I, I fail to see the godly sorrow in that. Mm -hmm. I know some people cry, and they really sure. feel a genuine sorrow. Sure. But it says feeling godly sorrow. Brother Eric, you mentioned it. Let me just read it in another translation. 2 Corinthians 7, 10 in the, uh, in the uh, NIV. Not my favorite translation, but I'll read this anyway. It says, uh, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Mm -hmm. But worldly sorrow brings death. And that was an excellent point you brought out about that. The difference between godly sorrow. I do want to open that up for discussion here in just a minute. A minute. But number four, forsaking your sin. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. It's not just enough to confess it. And, and let me just put it this way, though. I'm not saying step one, step two, step three, step four. Okay, now you've repented. Right. What I'm saying is this is all a part of it, sure. right? And uh, somebody might say, so, Brother Mills, are you telling me that if I've got to get the Holy Ghost, the repentant part of it is for me to go and, you know, I've got to walk through all these steps first, and then I've got to go home and get rid of all the stuff, and I've got to change my life. Then God's going to accept me. That's not what I'm saying. God knows your heart. Right. Okay, and I'll get into that in just a minute. Right. And number five, separating yourself from sinful influences. Now, this is kind of an, the aftermath of repentance. Because if you're really going to change your life, there's going to have, to have to be some people you're going to have to separate yourself from sure. because they're going to keep bringing it. Brother Ross, I remember you told your testimony one time, 
when you, you got off of drugs and you did all that and you repented, your old buddy started showing yes, back up. Did. Hey, man, where are you at? We want you to come back to the parties. And, right. and uh, where's the drugs? You got any drugs, man? So it's, it's interesting how when somebody repents, all the old buddies start showing sure. up and trying to pull them back in. You're going to have to separate yourself. It doesn't mean you don't try to win them to God. Right. But you don't need to bring yourself continually under their mm-hmm. influence because you're going to find that you keep slipping back up. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. But let me just say this. If we truly repent, we can be assured that God will forgive our sin. 1 John 1 and 9, he, he makes that promise to us. God knows your heart. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9, we quoted that a lot. For the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Next verse says, For I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So God knows your heart. So when somebody comes down and truly repents, maybe they haven't gone home and cleaned house yet, okay? But God sees your heart. I like what one man said. Um, I'm going to have to be kind of careful with the way I say this, but hopefully you'll understand what I'm saying. He says, Sometimes God gives us grace on credit. And uh, is, is, is one pastor that was preaching here that made that statement. It was an interesting statement. I understand some people may take that wrong. What I'm saying is um, God knows if you're truly sincere or not when you're in your heart. Sure. God, I want to go home and make these differences. I really do. Well, some things can't be fixed right away. That's right. So, exactly. That's a great way to put it because sometimes, man, you've messed up bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, I was teaching at the prison one time, and I remember I was talking to those guys, and I said, let me just, uh, I said, let me make this statement. I said, you know, God can forgive you. I said, but there's sometimes you wrong somebody else and you need to go back and make that right. Mm-hmm. I said, if you stole from somebody, you need to make that right. You need to go back and make restitution. You mentioned that word earlier. If you can, if you have it in your power, you need to try to make restitution. If you wrong somebody, you need to go back and apologize to them, right? Absolutely. That's part of repentance. Yes, it is. And again, um, you know, it's interesting to me how I've watched God fill a lot of people with the Holy Ghost that maybe didn't have all the, you know, A to Z, everything lined up just right. But like I said, God may fill you with the Holy Ghost. He says, all right, I've given you my gift. I expect you to do something with this right. now. I expect you to go back and make it all right. It's, um, let me just say this real quick, and I, I want to get out of the way because I want to open this up. But um, you also mentioned the fact that once you repent of your sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that that doesn't mean your need for repentance stops. Right. Um, let me just put it this way. You mentioned David's prayer in Psalm 51. He said, creating me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. So what's interesting to me, though, is in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when he's anointed, God gave him a new heart. Mm-hmm. But that new heart had to be fixed. <clears throat> you see what I'm saying? He, God gave him a heart when he was anointed. And it's like you say, well, I have the Holy Ghost. Does it matter? Every now and then, sometimes... We go back out in the world and we we yield to temptation. We fall prey to it. We got to continue to repent. Repentance, you know, it's 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 a continual process in your life to repent, to to admit to God, God, I've, sure. I've failed, I've sinned. Right. God, would you help me restore my relationship with you? And uh, let me just say this: God is is a very very merciful God. Um, but you know, let me just put it this way, okay? Uh, Brother Eric, Brother Ross, myself, we're all three married. Um, you know, there's some things that's kind of hard to fix in, in the course of a marriage, right? So um, let's just say that I, you know, my wife burned my toast that morning or whatever, and I, I got mad and I yelled about it. Well, I can go back and apologize for that. Or, 
you know, maybe there's some kind of an argument over something or, the, you know, we got upset over the kids. And if you have kids, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you might argue about that. Some stuff, But, you know, there's some things that are a little harder and they take time to restore that sure. relationship. Absolutely. And uh, let me just say this, that it's like Brother Ross was talking about the hardening of the heart. So I know God is merciful and I know everybody, you know, some of the people out there that's listening to this are going to immediately critique me. Let me explain myself before I get into this, okay? So uh, the longer you wait to repent, you know, that tells me you're probably not all that sorry, right? God gives us space to repent, so there is that space. Exactly. Well, look at, and for instance, in the book of Revelation, chapter number 2, mm-hmm. uh, the Bible talks about a church that had a woman by the name of Jezebel, which that wasn't her real name. It was just representing the spirit she was of. She was a prophet. She called herself a prophetess. And he said, I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she would she not repent. Not. Yeah. So God gives a space for repentance. Um, I remember in the book of Ezra, he says, for now, for a little while, uh, uh, grace, uh, how did he put it? Space for grace, something like that. I can't remember what it was. He based, for, for now, for a little time, grace has been given unto us. In other words, God has given us a space to repent. And God will give you space. It's like with Israel in the Old Testament. God gave them a long space to repent of their sin. But they didn't repent, so he ultimately had to judge them. And I think it's the same way after you start living for God. Sure. If, you, if you foul up and mess up, hopefully that all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, you know, if, if, if uh, it's easy to make things right with my wife if, if I don't wait a long time to do it. But the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be for you to make up. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, God is extremely merciful. He's very patient with people. He loves people. Um, obviously, we're his children. But, you know, you stop and think about it. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, ironing out the conscience, right? Um, you know, it speaks of that where it's, the Bible talks about, um, you know, the conscience it can become seared, mm-hmm. seared as with a hot iron. Mm-hmm. And if you ever take a hot iron to close, what do you do? You try to get the wrinkles out, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you run that hot iron over it. And that's what you're doing. If you're not repenting and you're not constantly saying, God, I'm, I'm sorry, God, I made this mistake. God, I want to change. And you just keep sinning. Brother Ross, you mentioned it. Keep sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning. You're taking that hot iron and you're running it over your conscience over and over and over. And you're getting all those wrinkles out to where there's no resistance. You start to sin and you don't feel regret anymore. Because the first time you sin, you're going to feel that. Uh, that There's three things the Bible mentions. You guys have heard me say this. Um, the Bible says, don't resist the Spirit. Uh, what well, says, don't grieve the Spirit. Don't resist the Spirit and don't quench the Spirit. Well, uh, basically, if you grieve it, you sin. If Anybody out there has had the Holy Ghost knows what I'm talking about. If you sin, you're going to feel that grieving. It's going to be like, Almost like God takes his hand and squeezes your heart a little bit. And, oh, that hurt. I, you can feel God's pain in what you just did. And it, then it says, the second thing says, don't resist it. And so when that grieving comes, yield to that grieving and repent. Don't resist the spirit. Because ultimately you get to the third place, which is quench not the spirit. That means to put the flame out. So you can literally through a period of resisting, 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 ultimately that flame just goes out. And God says, I can't deal with you anymore. You're not listening to me. You see what I'm saying? So uh, and one more little point, and then I'm going to just open this back up. I'm sorry I've been so long, guys. But um, I just want to say, is repentance essential for salvation? Number one, Jesus preached repentance. I'm just going to give the references rather than read them. Luke 13, uh, 1 through 3, Matthew 4, 17. Number two, John the Baptist preached repentance in Matthew 3, 1, 1 through 2. 
The disciples preach repentance, Mark 6, 7, Mark 6, 12. Uh, Paul preached repentance, Acts 17, 28 through 30. Um, talking about these times of ignorance God winked at now commandeth all men everywhere to repent uh, number five God commands repentance yes. and that's obviously I've already referred to that Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 17 so uh, we can see that in order to be received by God we must separate ourselves from evil and that's a type of repentance you mentioned the Greek word is matanoia which basically means a change of mind um, Paul said in Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. And if you look at what that literally means, it means to think like God thinks. you got to change your perspective. So you lay your life on the altars, a living sacrifice. God, I want to think like you think. God, I'm tired of my old ways. I'm tired of my dreams. I'm tired of my ambitions and my desires. I want to think like you think. So I'm just going to kind of say that and open it up. You guys got anything to add to that? Um, there's a lot there that you mentioned that had a, you know, tied hand in hand with a lot of things we just talked about there. Um, one thing you, you was talking about when you were talking about how a lot of times people just skip right past the repentance part. Um, I was a man I dealt with at the nursing home. I think I told you this story a week or two ago for the meals. Um, a man came to me and he says, uh, "You know, I want to. I want a new leaf on life here. I want to. I want to change my ways. I want to get better, and, and I want to go to heaven when I want to die, and all this. You know, he wanted to know how to do that. So we, I said, well, it's a pretty easy process. You know, I'll give you just here and give you a quick answer, and we can do a more thorough Bible study and all that kind of stuff on Sunday when we come in and, and do afternoon Bible studies with him. And I, you know, I basically just gave him the plan of salvation that you repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name." Receive the Holy Ghost, and he said, "I have to do all of that." <laughs> and I, I said, "All of that? I, it's relatively easy." And honestly, if you if you're looking at it, um, there's really only one thing you have to do. That's gonna be you good have point. to you have to repent. Good point. You you yeah. have to repent. Yeah, you have to get right with yeah. God. Yeah. And when you repent, and you then the man of God baptizes you, and God fills you with the Holy Ghost. You like, don't. You, is that all I have to do? You have, you have that to would be the right question. And, and this, yeah. I mean, it's like the same attitude. With, you mean I have to speak in tongues? What do you mean have to? You get you to. Get to. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's supernatural. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So basically, it's, a, it's an issue of God looks, and if the repentance is real, the heart is right, ready, then God fills you with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, my mind was saying, you want, a, you want a new leaf on, the old man has to die. Yeah, sure. You, you know, you, it's not, it's not, uh, co-equal thing here you know you don't just uh, matter of fact Bible actually talks about how bitter water and, and sweet water doesn't come out of the same fountain mm -hmm. and uh, so you know you ain't going to be able to have a, a fruitful godly life with sin in your life so there has to be a separation the only way to separate that is through repentance um, and then you know that I was thinking that when you, when you mentioned that but one other thing that I had actually um, had written down here um, was just some of the commandments through the Bible I was going to read some of them. Acts chapter uh, 3 and verse 19. Mm -hmm. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the, when the times of refresh refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Uh, 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is, is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right. Matthew 4 and 17. From that time Jesus began to preach to say, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Then, then of course, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And as Brother Mills said, a lot of apostolics, they like that verse, but they don't push the repentant part very very hard. It's yeah, all on, yeah, it's yeah, really, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, because, you know, um, they, someone can get up and here, here's another thing too to think about. I, I made reference to a relative of ours on the last podcast who told, made a confession of my life, said, I don't really know that I ever had the Holy Ghost. I, they told me I spoke in tongues, mm-hmm. but I didn't hear myself. I don't know that I spoke to And so, see, that is the danger of if you haven't really repented and you get up and you get an, an emotional and someone's shaking you and it's loud and everyone's screaming and shouting around you. And the, you, you, there, there's the there's the thing is if your heart is ready, you know. Sure. Yeah. The, people, yeah. the people that are shaking you and, you know, whatever it may be, you know, uh, hollering in your ear to yield to God and let loose and all this kind of thing, whatever, they don't know your heart. You know your heart. Mm-hmm. And only you know if you're truly ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so there's, that's the danger of why, you know, skipping over this repentance part, you're putting your salvation in someone saying, oh, I heard you speak in tongues, Brother Ross. I think you got the Holy Ghost. But, but, in, but you know, the relationship is between you and God, not between you and the person praying with you at the altar. Um, Acts chapter 17, and verse 30, And at this time of ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. It kind of lets you know that the time of uh, ignorance is kind of, gone now you can't you can't claim ignorance well god i didn't know i wasn't supposed to repent you know i i I didn't know i you know god said now he's commanding everyone to repent um and then there's first john 1 and 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness matthew 3 and 8 bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance uh acts 11 and 18 when they heard these things they held their peace and glorified god saying then hath god also the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Uh, Luke 13 and 3, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke 5 and 32, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Um, Mark 1 and 15, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. Um, Luke 24, 47, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Acts 26 and 20, but showed first unto them that Damascus at Jerusalem and throughout the coast of Judea and the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Um, so anyway, those are just some scriptures that I had. Yeah, that's just scratching the yeah, surface. Yeah, and it is, right, yeah. And as a matter of fact, I hundreds. skipped some of those. Is yeah. that all you got? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let me say this real quick because I see Brother Ross has something ready. Um, the only thing I'm going to say uh, is that repentance is more than just words. And proof of that is found in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8. And just set the scenario, John the Baptist is baptizing people and the Pharisees and Sadducees come to the baptism. And uh, he told you, oh, generation of vipers, you know, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Then he says this very interesting statement. Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. And let me read that in a different translation. In the New English translation, it says, therefore, produce fruit that proves your repentance. So it's more than just words. Um, You know, you can say, well, God, I've repented. But you go back out and you live the same lifestyle. You didn't really repent. Bring forth, therefore, fruit that proves your repentance. Brother Ross, go ahead. 
All right, you guys took all my scriptures. What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> repeat them, Sam, again. They're okay. worth repeating. Yeah. Jesus said, repent or perish. That's how yes, important that, it is. That's, that's right. right. That's right. And then Peter uh, said it a little different way. You already, already read it, but it's not willing that any should perish. Jesus said, repent or perish. Peter said, uh, should not perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, uh, we talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the death identify, or repentance identifying with the death. Uh, you mentioned Brother Eric. Paul mm -hmm. says, I die daily. I repent every day. Mm -hmm. I repent every day. Uh, not that you you're not, don't get in that doctrine of God sin, you know, everybody's going to sin a little bit every day, but it's just something you want to spend time with God to check yourself out. You know, uh, yes. you mentioned uh, one of the particular churches in the book of Revelation there. Um, many of the churches there, I don't know if he said, necessarily said to every single one of them. And have oh, to look, but, good point. But many of them, every single, he said, You've got this going for you, you got this going for you, mm -hmm. but. I got some things that you need to deal with. Yeah, and uh, he said you need to repent. You need Ephesus. Yeah, you, right. need repent. Repent. you need to repent. And he's talking to the church. <clears throat> he's talking to the church. Yes. So, yes, he is. so this, you know, we Good talk. Point. We talk about repentance as part of the plan of salvation. Absolutely, death, burial, and resur resurrection of Jesus Christ. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, receiving the Holy Ghost, and um, that that repentance is a part of the plan of salvation. And then the ongoing process of, of repenting as we live for God. Now, something interesting to me I'll throw out to you guys for your uh, consideration. It's interesting on the day of Pentecost to me that when uh, Peter preached, he was preaching to the Jews there. Um, these are people that had a, a background of, of Genesis through Malachi. I, you know, mm -hmm. they, they knew the God of the Old Testament, the Moses, and, and the law. And, and when Peter said, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It just seems like to me they ought to, they ought, they knew what repentance was. Nowadays, you don't hear the word repent or repentance outside of a church setting. Good you know, point. you're not going to be out in the Excellent. world and people talk yeah. about repenting. Uh, so it's something we have to spend the time teaching people what repentance is. But when he preached on the day of Pentecost and he said repent, it seems like to me. Well, uh, let me add in one more yeah, thing to that ahead, too, because look at what he's telling them. So he says, the previous verse says, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom ye crucified, mm -hmm. both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked, pricked in their, their heart. heart. They said it to Peter, to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So look at what he's saying though. You can't tell me every one of those 3,000 plus, we know there's more yeah, than right, 3,000 because right. only 3,000 responded. Mm -hmm. So I mean, would it be uh, an exaggeration to say there could have been as many as 10,000 people there? We don't know. Right. Most likely. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes, <laughs> yeah, oftentimes more uh, will reject it than will sure, respond. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, but let me just say this. You can't tell me all of them were present at Jesus' crucifixion and that all of them were saying, crucify him, crucify no, no. him. But he said, you crucified, crucified him. And so that tells us, somebody might say, well, I'm a pretty good dude. You know, mm -hmm. I'm pretty good. Well, that's why I said all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Um, but all of our sins put him on the cross. All of our sins put him on the cross. The thing you brought up there, too, that's, in, that's important, too, is the acknowledgement that they didn't argue with him and say, oh, we didn't crucify him. Right. He wasn't the one to put yeah. But they were they, they they got the they got it. They they they, they that's realized. That's they felt that yeah, conviction. They felt convic I realized that, hey, he's right. Yeah. And that that's when you you got to own it. You know, say, hey, you know, he what he said is right. And I feel bad about that. You know that, and that's, that's why when that. it's preached, they need to repent. It's, it's it seems evident to me that they knew what that was because they already had uh, an old 
I guess we'll say Old Testament, but all yeah, the and it, it's, I mean, if you could uh, encapsulate all of the statements of the prophets into one, it'd be calling them to repentance. So they had to understand. I mean, if they knew those Old Testament scriptures, they right. probably came from a lot of different backgrounds. I mean, I don't right. know. You know, probably most of them didn't belong to a sect. Some of them may have belonged to a sect. They said the common Jude really didn't belong to a sect. I mean, you had your major groups like the Pharisees, Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Zealots. Mm -hmm. But they said a lot of people, the most of the common Jews did not belong to any of those sects. So I believe they all probably had some form of training. They understood right. the scriptures as, as good Jews. And they're, they're, they've been dispersed to all these different places. But um, something else that's interesting, too, the message didn't stop there. Okay, because right. we right. often quote Acts two thirty eight and thirty nine. I've been teaching my kids how to quote Acts two forty. With many other words, <laughs> with many other words, did he testify and exhort them, saying, "What?" Now, notice what it says there. It says, "With many other words, he's testifying and exhorting." But if we're to take it all and put it in one lump sum, he says, "Save yourselves from this untoward generation." So uh, Luke is basically pointing out, okay, look, he said a lot of words, but this is basically what he said. You better save yourselves from this untoward generation or this perverse or crooked is what that word means, crooked generation, this perverse generation. And also look, looking at it, the point, too, that Luke's saying, Peter ain't saying, I can do it for you. You have to be. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I gave you the plan of salvation, but now I can't give you the Holy yeah. Ghost. I can't, you know, the only thing I can do is baptize you, but the rest of it you have to do. You have to be Great saved. Yeah. Point. You, you have to be saved. You have to do it. Well, here's another thing, too, is that you cannot find single evidence of any of the apostles, and I'm trying to mentally, y'all, brethren, correct me if I'm wrong, where any of the apostles walked anybody through a prayer. No. I can't think no. of one. No, they just told them what they needed to do, and it was up to them to do it. And right. And, and, and most always, they were, it was just out of direct response to what was, mm -hmm. was preached at the, at the moment. The only one I even comes to mind at all where there was a, maybe a process of working them through was the Ethiopian eunuch with Philip saying, here's, he explained yeah. to him yes. Jesus. You know, here's an interesting point too. Mm -hmm. Let me say this because uh, we often say, you know, the sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. Closest mm -hmm. thing you can get to what might be considered the sinner's prayer, and it's far from it, mm -hmm. far from it, right. uh, is the Ethiopian eunuch. And what he says is, uh, in fact, let me find this real quick and read it because it's Acts chapter Acts 8. 8 yeah. Uh, I think it's verse... Understandeth what thou readest? How yeah. can I except a man show me? Yeah. Well, then he, he brought him down into the water, and he says, uh, What doth hinder me? Here's water. What doth hindered me from being baptized? Verse 37 says, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, here's what's interesting, okay? So I don't want to get too deep off into these waters, but... Um, this may have been an argument people could use years ago, but a lot of modern translations omit this verse. They can't use this verse because wow. it doesn't even exist in their Bible anymore. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, but one thing, let me, let me just kind of talk about what he's saying. He's saying, if you're going to be baptized, you need to understand what I've taught you. Okay? Mm -hmm. right. You've got to believe this with all of your heart. We go back again to why repentance is foundational. Uh, remember when the Sadducees and Pharisees came to John the Baptist, he says, I'm not going to baptize you. You better bring forth fruit that proves your repentance first. See? So he said, I'm not going to baptize you until you repent. Mm -hmm. And so what Philip's telling him is, yeah, I'll baptize you, but you got to believe this with all your heart. You better believe everything I've told you. And so that, that tells us we don't need to just grab people and dunk them in the water. Right. So I'm seeing this, brethren. I'm seeing yes, this. Sir. I mean, yes, I, sir. I, I I, my mind is constantly blown at we're trying to, uh, it's, it's almost like David's census for numbers, like an obsession with numbers. Uh, you know, everybody wants to put a number up because they got to report it 
sorry, to their organization. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but they're trying to report a certain number. Hey, we had 56 get baptized in Jesus' name. We had, you know, 58 re receive the gift of the Holy Ghost this Sunday. Well, look, that's that's great and, and wonderful, but what I'm seeing a lot of is that people are getting baptized. In fact, let me just tell you this, okay? I, I saw this by example. One guy, one of these guys that's out there that's pushing for numbers and all that, so he goes up to this young man, he says, hey, uh, have you ever heard of the uh, Vax 238? And the guy's like, I, I, I don't really know what that is. So they brought him in and they taught him a very fast Bible study. Well, the guy was Catholic. He didn't know nothing about the Bible, and that's evident. And so they said, do, do you want to be baptized? Do you see your need to be baptized? He said, well, well uh, I mean, it says it there, yeah. He says, well, let's take you to the church and baptize you. It's almost like they're pushing him to do the whole thing. So they run in there, all right, let's pray, pray a quick prayer. So they're going to pray a quick prayer, you know. And then they go and they push him in the baptistry, goes underwater in Jesus' name, comes out. I don't think the guy even knew what happened to him. Mm -hmm. and, and what I'm saying is that's the danger because we do feel a pressure on us, I guess, to be soul winners, right? And we want to win a soul. Right. And if we see somebody that is, um, that's not uh, resisting what we're saying, the tendency is to try to push them and, and you know over the edge but it has to be their personal decision right mm -hmm. they have to if they're if they're going to get baptized they better know why they're being baptized at least that, that doesn't mean they have to understand every nuance right right mm -hmm. but it has to be their own choice again i have an experience with this here at working with the nursing home there's been uh, there was a, a man there who had came to me with kind of simps similar situation he was catholic he didn't know nothing much about the bible and in my teaching that day we had talked about repentance so he came up to me and said i need to be baptized and I said, well, okay, we'll, we'll discuss that, you know, more at length. You, you need to understand mm -hmm, sure. your reason for it, the need for it. You know, we need to make sure you repented. There's a lot more that goes into it than just getting in the water. And uh, so, anyway, long story short, we'll just cut to it now. He no longer comes to the Bible studies. He doesn't want really have any interest in coming or, or hearing us teach or anything like that. And the lady who is the activity director been helping me uh, there and stuff, some says, uh, him to me said, you should have you should have baptized him when he first asked you. And I said, why? I said, I'm not here to try to just get him in the water and get him baptized. Mm -hmm. I said, and that's exactly what I told her. I said, I'm not just trying to get him baptized. I'm trying to get him his soul saved. Right. If I'd have baptized him, if he doesn't have any interest in being saved, I, baptism doesn't do me any good. Absolutely. You know, me dunking him in the water. Had Paul, what did Paul say? Christ sent me not to baptize, mm -hmm. but to preach the gospel. And we've already made the point. Uh, you know, talking on a previous discussion about baptism, that that does not negate the need for baptism. Mm -hmm. He's basically saying that my primary purpose is to preach the gospel. Being baptized comes as a result of obeying yes, the gospel, yes, right? Yes, exactly. right? So he said, but I'm not just going around baptizing a bunch of people so they could say I baptized them. That's the point of what he's saying. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, brethren, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of bearing my soul. But it, that's just one of the frustrating things I'm seeing today is I think we're trying to rush people through this process, and I understand the urgency. It, it's 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 imperative that people repent. Mm -hmm. God's coming back soon. I know all of this, but what I'm saying is, we need to uh, like like what we're doing now. We need to teach people. We need to tell them this is why you're being baptized. It washes your sins away, past, present, and future. And you begin this new relationship with God. You take on His name. You take on His blood. And we'll get into that in the next discussion. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But there's also people who I've heard them talk about when describing baptism. They describe baptism, although it, as though it kind of takes the place of repentance. The baptism takes away the sin, so oh, therefore you need to repent. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's um, not the way it and works. And no, it's not the way it works. <laughs> I, you know, being there, you know that. And going back to what I talked about, the man is I have to do all that. 
Repentance is the hard part. That's that's the only that's the hard part. Yeah. You know, that's because now I got to quit doing what I was doing. How hard baptism, is it to go underwater? Right, yeah, it's not yeah. hard to go underwater. Yeah. I mean, everyone takes a shower, takes a bath, whatever. I mean, or, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, you know, go swimming in a pool, whatever it may be. I mean, the, the yeah, being dipped in water, that ain't no, no, that's no problem. The rest of it is really, I mean, like I said, that's just, it's your attitude and your, your mindset of, you know, I'm going to change my mind yeah, and go well, a different it, direction. Yeah, it's the mindset of the, the, the individual the, you're talking uh, to. The prodigal son. Came yeah. to himself. Came to himself. Yeah, came, a, came, came to himself mind. and changed my, you know, I'm going to go back to where, you know, I know where how to live. You know, I'm going to go back and live right, and live in the, the structure of daddy's home <clears> and that kind of stuff. So anyway, but just that, thinking of that, I, I I thought about when you mentioned that a minute ago, that, that it actually happened. There's two instances that kind of were um, examples of what we talked about. Another thing, too, to, to mention that the example of, the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave us uh, also talks about yeah, I was uh, mention that. yeah, yeah. about for, forgive us our debts, debts as we, we forgive those that yes sir so the repentance is, is in the Lord's Prayer too absolutely yep so. absolutely both of you made mention of Acts 17 and verse 30 uh, God command us all, uh, commandeth all men everywhere to repent uh, the background of before that was that was spoken by the Apostle Paul and he was in Athens and don't have time to, to read all of it, but uh, if you back up in Acts chapter 17, <clears throat> uh, verse 16, Paul's in, in Athens, and he sees the whole city wholly given to idolatry. And there was some philosophers that came to him and, uh, and said, you, you've been preaching about Jesus being resurrected, and they, and they brought him around to some of the other philosophers, and they said, we, we want to know about this new doctrine where you've been talking about, you've been speaking and uh, you, you bring uh, certain strange things to our ears. We, we want to know what, what's, what's all this all about. And uh, Paul stood on Mars Hill. Now this, Peter got to preach to some people that knew uh, the, old, the, the law, the law of Moses, the creation. They knew about repentance. Now we have Paul preaching to someone, a group of people that are philosophers and they have statues to different gods. And, Paul, and the Apostle Paul said, "You're you're too you're too superstitious." And yeah. he said, "You've got you've got idols and, and statues." He said, "You've got one over there called the unknown god." And uh, he said, uh, you, "You ignorantly worship that unknown god." He said, "I'm going to tell you who that god is. Him declare I unto you." And uh, and and uh, the Apostle Paul began to preach about. The world that they they were living in was created by God. God created the heavens and the earth, uh, and all the you know everything that breathes, and we're all one blood. And he begins to preach how God he had to start at the beginning with them, and and that's what I was talking about a minute ago. The word repent and repentance is not used out in the world. People don't even know what it is, okay. and Paul's talking to a group of people that really don't know what it is, and so he begins to tell them about this God, and. Uh, and then he gets to verse 30. That's the background of verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now he's commanding, commanding all men everywhere to repent, and that meant then too. And it goes on from there, but that's a tremendous background. I'll just, you, you mentioned Brother Mills, you know, where I talked about what God had brought me from and uh, fruits of repentance. And uh, at, at the time I got into church, I had uh, several 
I don't know what it'd be worth nowadays. It'd been 40 years ago, but I had several hundred dollars worth of dope I was dealing and and so on and so forth. Um, but I, I had repented of my sins and I, did, I, 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 I was new. I didn't know a lot of things, but because I had repented of my sins, there, I was having a change of mind. The way I was living, I knew was wrong and sinful. I had been in the presence of God. I'd repented of my sins, following the plan of salvation. So I went to my man of God, and I told him what I had. And I asked him, part of me said, well, I'll just finish selling and get my money back. You know, I was going to sell it anyway. And then, but I was like, that just doesn't seem right, you know, because why? Because I was having a change, my act, because I had a change of mind from repentance, I was changing my deeds and my actions. And so I thought, well, I'll just give it away. I'm like, nah, that's the same as selling. <laughs> so I went to my man of God, and he says, I think you just ought to get rid of it. I said, you know, right, you know what, that, that is, that's what I need to do. So hundreds of dollars, but, you know, I don't say that in a bad way. I was like, yeah. thank God I got rid right, of it. Yeah. I flushed it. I got however I got rid of it, but uh, fruits of repentance. And, and it's so awesome when you see... Folks, if you're list, you're listening out there, when you hear us say this stuff, give give God a chance. Give Acts two thirty eight plan of salvation a chance. Get somewhere where you can uh, you you can pray and repent right now. If you're listening to this, you've you've heard enough and learned enough. You know how to repent of your sins. And you don't God, even have to repeat after us. Yeah, you don't have to. Re- no, re- sir. <laughs> That's right. You tell God. You know what you need to repent of. Tell, you know, tell God you're sorry for your sin and. And uh, you know, die die out to self and to sin and the things of the world. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost as you begin to repent, as you begin to pray and begin to worship God. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Get you a man of God to baptize you in Jesus. Give it a chance. Right. Don't don't just back off. Say, ah, yeah, man, that sounds pretty good. Well, I don't know. No, I've accepted. Give it a chance. Give it give it a chance. I'm I'm telling you, it's so awesome when you see somebody come in, and we see it all the time. We see them come in off the street or we just see them you know just people come in and they hit the altar and they pray and they repent and they get around the presence of God and you and you watch their lifestyle begin to change you notice they don't go to places they used to go yeah. and they don't do the things that they used to right. do and it's be, and it's because and it's because they started with repentance a change let, of mind let me add ask this add this real quick here I, I started out when we first started I, I listed five questions about repentance I'm going to add number six and say, what stops you from repenting? Yeah. Because there could be, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, I would do that or this, but, you know, that preacher hurt my feelings or so-and-so offended me and did me wrong or, yeah. or whatever. Um, and I was just thinking when, when Brother Ross was talking there, uh, this came to mind in uh, Revelation 3 and 19. Jesus said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So be zealous about it. It ain't just something you take casually and say, well, you know, uh, the, the man of God rebuked me or the man of God get, got on to me about this. Um, Peter rebuked them too, and they, they repented. And so, uh, you know, that, I just thought that was G, uh, Jesus speaking. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke you. He does it so that you'll repent. Yeah. And, yeah. and so... I guess you could put that in the category earlier where I was talking about what leads us to repentance. That could be one of those things that leads us to repent. God's correction, um, a wake-up call sometimes in our life could yeah. cause somebody to repent. Well, it's like when somebody is, um, you know, collapses and uh, 
their heart stops beating, they try to shock them, mm-hmm. you know, sure. to get that heart going again. Yeah. Sometimes you can be so dead spiritually, spiritually mm-hmm. that you need somebody to kind of shock you a little bit. And it's uh, may take some hard preaching sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go into church. And I hear a lot of guys, we brought a lot of guys that they, they walked out and said, I just don't like the way I feel in that place. Well, that what they're feeling is uh, conviction, sure. and they don't like the feeling of. Con- right. They've never felt conviction before. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been to all these other churches, and I didn't feel that way. Uh, yeah, you've never felt conviction. Mm-hmm. That's that, the problem. That would be uh, a red flag right there. <laughs> With the church yeah. didn't feel and, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> because here's this here's a scary thing too. Talk going back to the man I made I made reference of at the nursing home. Um, just a couple of weeks after we had the conversation, and he said that I have to do all that, and repentance was just too hard for him. Uh, I came in to do just a routine Bible study with them on a Saturday, and uh, they everybody in the nursing home was all excited and everything. And, oh, Larry, man, he he got saved. And local pastor came in, and you know, just a the nominal man came in and told him, "Hey, just repeat this sinner's prayer. You got baptized as a teenager, so you're saved. You're good to go." But you know, the whole point was the what he was having a hard time with was repentance because that's the only thing he had to do. The rest of it, you know, is, is up to the God and the man of God. Yeah. So and so he's having a hard time with repentance, but the religious world told him he's saved. And so yeah. that's there's that's the problem of, of uh, when you allow the uh, doctrine of a secular church or whatever it may be to save you versus letting the Word of God save you by following, you know, the truth of the Word of God. Yeah. And, and of course, let me just say this real quick. Um, we're not saying that repentance has to be a three-hour or no. five-hour no. or whatever. For some people, it may take a take long a time longer, to get yeah. to get it all out. But I've seen people come up and really repent in about ten minutes. Nice. And I mean, when I say repent, they're pouring themselves out. And it is true that sometimes we will have people that come maybe from de- denominationalism or something like that, and they have already repented. Cornelius. They're already living a pretty Cornelius. Mm-hmm. That's a great example. Cornelius mm-hmm. is an excellent example. Uh, Thank you for that one, Brother Ross. And uh, really, the Ethiopian eunuch. Sure. Yeah, because he's already repented mm-hmm. in his heart. He's studying the Scripture. He's hungry yes. for God. Yes. So uh, you may stumble on some people. They've really already repented. We've got to be careful. If they've already repented, we don't want to be trying to walk them through the steps mm-hmm. of repentance again. You know, say, come on, man, you need to cry <laughs> some tears. You need to weep. Because, mm-hmm. uh, hey, you know, God's not a respecter of person. What he requires of me is going to require of you, right? Uh, but... At, at the same time, God knows the heart, too. And sometimes if we're not careful, say, well, he didn't really repent. I don't think he really got it. You better be careful about judging. You I, know what I mean? Sure. I had a friend years ago who um, actually died about five years back of suicide. Um, came to this church, Brother Ross, and prayed at the altar. You've probably met him a time or two. Um, and he would come up, and he would pray, weep, and cry. And I'd hear him repent. God, forgive me of my sin. God, this. And, but yet he never got the Holy Ghost. And over a period of time, he admitted that when he would go to the altar and pray, he would pour his, what looked like he was pouring his, his heart out to God. But in the back of his mind, he had one reserve. Mm. I just can't give that up. I just can't. And uh, his situation at the time, would just I mean, he, like I said, he's, he's not here now, so he wouldn't be offended at me for saying it. But uh, he, had a, he had a hang up with a girl. And... You know, he just couldn't, he wasn't going to give that girl up. But, you know, he was he was involved in drugs. That was no problem. He'd give that up. And, uh, he was going to give, you know, he was pouring it all out. But there was one thing, it just had that reserve. And so he never could get the Holy Ghost because of one 
that's you you want biblical proof of mm-hmm. that too it's mm-hmm. uh, I've got a message I've never preached it but I had it in reserve <laughs> along with the, the hundreds of others that are Larry Mills's messages uh, but I was thinking about the rich young ruler yes Jesus said one thing thou lack is I thought sure. about preaching the one thing you won't give up mm-hmm. that's what he's going to ask you to give up uh, because a lot of people come to God and they have that one thing in reserve but Eric that they just don't want to give up now there's the flip side to this too and I think this is worth discussion We're, and we won't talk much longer but I do think this is very important that we address this now brother Ross I think you had something I don't want I don't want to keep that if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins because some people never get beyond the repentance phase because they do not believe God has forgiven them mm. I think that's important to talk about because when you deal with repentance and especially with severity we're handling the subject with, there's going to be that one or two people that struggle with that concept of a God that will forgive. Maybe it'll be, you know, maybe they had parents that, you know, uh, how your parents treated you will affect how you look at God many times. Okay. And I've seen some people, their dad abused them or uh, was terrible to them, never said I love you, whatever. And it's hard for them to see God as a loving God for that reason because all authority in their life is that way. And uh, because of that, they'll never get past this phase of repentance. They don't really believe God's forgiven them. But the Bible makes that promise in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess <clears throat> our sins, he is faithful, faithful and just. just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, amen. I read two responses in the Word of God. Acts chapter 2, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Brought out a good point, Brother Mills. How many more were there? 3,000 souls is awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. the Bible doesn't say how many was, you know, was, was there. Yeah. It was just the fact that 3,000 responded. Like you said, was there another 3,000, another 10,000? But uh, 3,000 responded, and then in that we get to the end of Acts chapter 7 after Stephen preaches. It's interesting, the wording is almost the same. Uh, after Peter preached, they were pricked in their heart. What shall we do? In, in Acts chapter 7, after P- Peter preached, they said when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Stephen, yeah. Stephen, Stephen preached. Yeah, that's right. Stephen, Stephen. Stephen. Yeah, you said Peter. Peter yeah, that's right. Bad, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Stephen. Stephen, sorry. Yeah. Somebody out there will Thank correct you. you. That's all right. <laughs> it was a test to see if you were listening to me. It was a test. You're listening very we got to well. give, hey, look, Brother Ross rarely makes mistakes. That's we got to yeah. jump on him when he does. <laughs> Stephen, he preached. Stephen, yeah. And when he got done preaching, they, they, uh, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They were pricked in the heart, but they didn't respond like three thousand right. of them did on the day of Pentecost. So, your response is going to be one of two things. I think one says pricked in the heart, and the other says cut, cut to, to the, the heart. heart. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some so, let allowed it to penetrate, and the others it stopped. Yep. Well, so well, here, well, here's the thing too. Another, another thing to, to think about that you talk about the how many how many people were there. Well, Jesus talked about, or the Bible talks about Jesus fed five thousand souls, not including women and children. Mm-hmm. That's how many people at one point followed him. One hundred twenty mm-hmm. in the upper room. Yeah. 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 I thought about that. One hundred twenty. Yeah. One hundred twenty made it to the upper room, but, but thousands of people. But thousands yeah. came yeah. on later. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right. Those three thousand. Right. Some of them could have been there to. But yeah, but I, my my point was, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that that many people and only one hundred twenty made it to the upper room. Yeah. So you've got how many people when you had three thousand? Yeah. Right? So how many more rejected? Well, yeah. in fact, if you look at First uh, Corinthians, I think it's First Corinthians. Um, I think it's that same chapter, isn't it, Brother Ross? But First Corinthians chapter fifteen, where he talks about. 
how many saw him after his resurrection? Oh, yeah, 500 or something. Yeah, about 500, I think is what it says. So, I mean, you look, only 120 made it to the upper room, but there were 500 that witnessed his resurrection or, you know, saw him or whatever when he appeared to them. So, yeah, that's oftentimes the way it is, too. Yeah. Well, I think we could talk all night about this oh, subject, yeah. and we, really, we just enjoy doing this because we, we enjoy talking the scriptures, really. That's yeah. that's what it comes down to, and you get to listen yeah. in on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all organic. It's nothing. I will yeah. say one other thing that sure. came to mind um, when he, he Brother Ross was mentioning earlier about how the disciples, are, are when they begin to preach, a lot of times repentance was just kind of a foregone conclusion. They already knew what they was talking about. Mm-hmm. He talked about going back to the, you know, or I think Brother Mills maybe made reference that they had knowledge of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. they had knowledge of the Bible. Uh, just thinking of Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen, if my, if my people which are called mm-hmm. by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Yeah, well, uh, just just thought that Hebrews, talking about repentance. Yeah, term, yeah, yeah. So just thinking about talking about repentance, I thought maybe we should just add that scripture into. That's it. very good. And I'm glad you brought that scripture yeah. up because I, I don't think any discussion of repentance is complete without that. Yeah, right. Yeah. I agree. And of course, like you pointed out in Psalm 51, uh, you know, if you're wanting to know how to repent, that's a good scripture yes, to is. read. Yeah. Just read yes. it in its entirety. Yes. Yeah, I told people. And that. I'm not saying pray exactly like that. But it's kind of like Jesus said, after this manner, therefore pray right. you. That, yeah, that's just a good a, pattern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, one thing I, I will say this, too, in, in, in closing, just closing remarks, and hopefully I'm not opening a can of worms <laughs> for another hour. But uh, another example of his prayer of, the, uh, of repentance is also found in Psalm 32. The, both of these together... Yes. Describe David's repentant attitude. That's what scholars seem to think. You know, Psalm 32, throw it in there too. And one thing he said is is this. He starts off with, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Um, Let me just at least add this in here, that the Bible says that uh, he'll drive our sins away as far as the east is from the west. It says, so far hath he removed our transgressions from Mm -hmm. us, is actually what the scripture says. Mm -hmm. So when you repent, God's not going to keep bringing him up. They go under the blood of Jesus. Now, the one place Satan can't go, we heard the other night, is he can't go under the blood. And you shouldn't either. Right. Once you repent of your sins and you put it under the blood of Jesus, which obviously is applied through repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and filling with the Holy Ghost, it's all throughout that yes. process. And so when, when the blood's applied to your life, don't keep trying to fish for it. You know? Right. It says stay, stay out of the, the blood trying to fish for your sins. <laughs> And uh, then he goes on to say this, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. Then he says this, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. Then he says, verse 5, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So what David's saying is, what he's basically describing is after his sin with, with Bathsheba, he keeps trying to you know put it out of his mind. He lays down at night and he says, "Man, I kept silence, but my bones waxed old all day long. It was like it was it was like a roaring." He said, "Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me." And somebody might be saying, "Why do I always feel so guilty? Why do I always feel so heavy? Why why can't I sleep at night?" Maybe the Lord's hands upon you, mm-hmm. and He's trying to move you to that place of repentance and be like David. Yeah. And say, I'll acknowledge my sin. When it, and look, it took a preacher. Mm-hmm. Yes. It took Nathan to put point his finger in his face and say, Thou art the man. You know, this is so interesting to me because David knew the law. 
He knew it was wrong to commit adultery and murder. Somehow he had justified it. Yeah. Okay, uh, let me just say this quickly. Um, I know we're clocking in in a bit here, guys, but let me at least say this, all right? You look at David's progression. Okay, first of all, you see that David goes and he takes a wife by the name of Abigail. Mm-hmm. Now, it was just, it was right, right, because God struck Nabal. Yes. But he, he, he doesn't even really wait for a grieving process. He just takes her as his wife. Second thing he does is Michal. Michal was married to another man. Yes, he, she was rightfully his. But he said, go get her back from that husband. And they dragged her away from the husband. You see the progression going on here? Sure. Then the third thing is he takes Bathsheba, the wife that's not even his, somebody else's, and he has her husband killed. Mm-hmm. Here's, the, here's the problem there. If you'll justify one sin, you'll justify yes, another, sir. and it'll keep progressing. Yes, it'll sir. get worse and worse and worse and worse. And you just That's how he justified it. But here's the thing that tells us he was feeling some guilt. He would lie down at night and it didn't matter how he justified Absolutely. it. There was still, the hand of the Lord was still upon Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Amen. So, you guys got anything to add to that in closing? Maybe just make a closing remark, Brother Eric. Brother okay. One other thing that came to mind, I wasn't going to bring it up, but since this month we're doing a closing remark, I'll bring uh, You mentioned earlier when you talked about a lot of people view um, God, how they may view like their relationship with their parents or their dad or whatever, loving. Yeah. And, uh, you, you may also have a, a situation where, and I've heard this a lot of times, well, a loving God ain't going to send me to hell. Uh-huh. And so, therefore, you know, they they uh, take the love of God for granted. Let's put yeah. it that way. They, they um, abuse or mm-hmm. take advantage of it, I guess sure. I'm saying, the love of God. Don't take advantage yeah. of the love of God and not repent. Done because, despite unto right. the spirit of grace, I think, mm-hmm. is, is a verse yeah, that right. bring yes. up there. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And, uh you know, they, they take advantage of the fact that, well, God loves me, so therefore, I, you know, I can do what I want to do. I can, and But, you know, don't mistake that because, you, you like, when you brought that up, I'll often think of, you know, like viewing God, the, the relationship. I, I had a good home, a good godly home, a good mom and dad loved me, that kind of thing. And so, you know, when I view God in, in that sense, I would think, well, they would never hurt me. They would never do, you know, so when you look at it in, in the, the viewpoint of, well, God loves me. Well, yeah, He does, but He also loves you too much to let you stay in the situation that you're currently going. Because God doesn't send anybody to hell; um, right. you send yourself there. By right. It was made for the devil and his angels, right. not for humanity. Right. right. And and not you know, not just that God loves me because He does, but how about I, I love God so much? That's right. Yeah. And you mentioned your parents. You, if I love, if, if you love your parents, you don't want to do anything right. to. Uh, to strain your relationship or, or hurt them in any way, you know, emotionally or physically. Um, if I love God, I want I want to please God. Right. And um, so that's that's kind of the way the relationship mm-hmm. should be. Uh, right. Thank you, Brother Mills. It's an yeah. honor to, that you ask us to be a part of this. So thank yes, you. thank you very much. Yes, sir. Well, we're gonna uh, next time we're gonna talk about the doctrine of baptism. And if you think this one was long, that might really go long because. <laughs> There are so many things about baptism we could talk about. So um, thank you so much for listening, and thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. God bless you. We hope you have enjoyed this Bible 101 episode. Please leave a comment to let us know what you think. Also email BibleTTabernacle29 at gmail.com. That is B-I-B-L-E. T-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-C-L-E 29 at gmail.com to leave us comments, questions,
questions, or maybe ideas for future episodes. Thank you so much for listening.